it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is great to be with you on this National Signing Day. Balls McWednesday, a day of celebration and complaint. We get it all and the emotions run hot. There you go. Welcome in. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Our thanks to all of you tuning in and who were just watching on the stream. Good work from Aslan and Michael and everybody that's uh, been present today on staff on this ongoing stream. It's my turn. And here we go. I'm excited to be here. I, I know that um, over the years, you know, my perspective on signing day has been a little bit different. It's um, all the way going back, Tom, to the fun times when we used to, uh, you know, declare today I follow the kiddies.com day. And uh, that was always fun. As the founder and CEO of that website, yeah, uh, yeah happy anniversary. Thank you, buddy. Uh, it's going to be a good class. It's not going to be the class everybody had hoped for. It's not going to be if they don't get KJ Bolden. It doesn't. Uh, you know, it's not going to be the class that uh, everybody thought would be the cherry on top of thirteen and zero. Instead, it'll be what I just said. Really good class. Really, really good class. But there's a feeling out there, and you know how it goes. And I'm not just talking about the people that are inherently and always consistently negative. I'm talking about just your average observer saying, you know, you may want to look at your staff. You may need to look at your staff and try to find a couple of cold-blooded killers in recruiting because it seems to be an area where perhaps when it comes down to that that final piece of the puzzle, that that last kid, that, that extra whatever it takes to get that five-star to say yay, it appears that uh, we, at least for now, are lacking a little bit of that. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm depressed or upset even about where this is at. Signing day is always filled with a few of those moments where you're like, oh, wow, they got him. Good. It's also always filled with a sense of, um, damn, man, I really thought we were going to get that guy too, but we didn't. So big picture for me is, again, I think the class is really good. Obviously, when you go back to last year's recruiting class and the recruiting class before that, Florida State has made – Massive leaps forward from where they were. But we evaluate and reevaluate all the time based on expectations, which change. 
with success or failure. And what you do is you kind of assess differently as you climb that ladder. We continue to talk about that. And we say, all right, well, you know, you, you, you had to go first from having losing seasons to having winning seasons. All right, we got there. And you go, okay, well, that winning season will help us recruit better. And it did. And then you had this season. So you went from 5-7 and seven to 10-3 and three to 13-0. and 0. So it stands to reason you would recruit better. And they have. The next step, and there's not many more to take, guys. The next step is that you have to recruit as well as Georgia, as well as Alabama, as well as Ohio State. And you have to do it consistently well. You have to do that year over year because it's the stockpiling of talent that we're talking about. And they're not quite there yet. They're not quite at that place yet. And so the frustration that people feel in the fan base about that is understandable. But it's also probably something still to come. And I I think Mike has to – it's got to be a hard thing to do. I think Mike has to ask hard questions. I think when you evaluate yourself and your staff, uh, the way that goes best is when you have the opportunity to be, if you're capable, of being brutally honest. It's the hardest thing we talk about all the time, Tom. We talk about it all the time. Like, how well do I evaluate? Do I self-scout my entire operation? I talk a lot about the modern coach being the CEO coach, that that's what this is now. Like, now Mike is the exception in college football right now. Mike does a lot. Mike might, some people say, do too much. Mike has to be the primary recruiter. Yeah. Mike is the play caller. Mike puts together the game plan. Mike calls plays during games. Mike, Mike, Mike. You need some other dudes that you feel very good about in every one of those areas to continue to elevate this program. And maybe that's where the evaluation begins when this is all said and done. Am I maximizing what we're capable of based on this being a blue blood, blue blood program being that they have one of the elite collectives and that now you're winning games. You're winning all all of them, in fact. You won every one of them. Yeah, I'd say, you know, if you just look at the pieces to the puzzle, you know, Florida State, in terms of a collective, I want to say collectively, but that means something different. So in terms of an NIL collective, in a really good place. Yeah. In terms of portal recruiting, in a really good place. Mm -hmm. In terms of skill position recruiting, been very good. Oh, the secondary. They've, they've got, even without K.J. Bolden, they've Correct. got a really good class in the secondary. And they flipped their reputation as a wide receiver destination, even with Jeremiah Smith going somewhere else. This is a good haul this year on the heels of getting Hakeem Williams and a bunch of dudes last year I love year Elijah well. Moore, by the way, so yes, too. I'm very excited about that. Running backs as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Offensive and defensive line, baby. That's where right. this conversation starts, and then from there it quickly goes to linebacker. And I've been talking about this ad nauseum about linebacker. I'm a broken record. It just serves to bring everybody down. I would make a change there. I don't see improvement there. I don't see depth there. I don't see good recruiting there. What else do you need to see? Yeah, I'd say linebacker is the biggest problem. Defensive line, mixed results. Mixed results. Mixed bag. Offensive line, better than mixed results. And then everything else is pretty well okay. Yeah. Because the offensive line, if you think about last year, you get a kid like Lucas Simmons and Otto, and this year you're bringing Daniels and Montessi from the West Coast mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. uh, missing one. Jaden Todd is another one, and he do pretty well in the portal there. So I don't think there's a red alert on the offensive line. Maybe a yellow alert, but it, they've been okay. It's been above. Well, it's been above linebacker. It's been above edge rusher or defensive line the last couple of years. I think so. If you're talking about 
Who's in the batter's box right now when you're saying, hey, man, it's time to hit? It's past time. Linebacker. Well, that's number one. Who's on deck? Defensive line. Who's got their feet in the dugout, but they're in the hole? Offensive line. Everything else has been pretty good, and that is specific to the high school ranks because in the portal, we're doing a good job across the board. Yeah, but we know that there are certain segment groups in the portal where you can get a good player, a serviceable player, a plus player, but you may not get that foundational five-star dominant upside first-round draft pick player. Certain positions, like offensive line, by the way, is one of them. Offensive line is one of those. Um, Linebacker might be two. You got to find those kids out of high school and get them here and groom them. Now, we're having a hard time with right. that right now. That Blake seems Nicholson to be, seems to be the exception, not the rule. You got him, but you know, there's there's more work to be done. Uh, certain coach didn't get him. That was somebody else. But I agree with you. He's here. I figured you would take that point. Well, I'm just going to point yeah. that out. Going to point that out. So that we got to do better there. But this is, I mean, to me, when you watch the the growth. We're in lockstep with where you think that should be. You know, you, you're going 19th rated class or whatever the hell that was, and then now, you know, it's definitely a top 10 class. I don't know where it's going to finish, right? We thought for sure this was going to be a top five class. I don't know that that's going to be the case now, and that will piss people off, and I agree. You go 13-0 and 0 here and win the conference, and you're Florida State, you ought to be able to sign a top five class. You ought to be able I, to do I, that. I don't, that's not too much to ask. I, I think that's a fair expectation. Um Really good recruiters do that. This is an area of, uh, of weakness that can get stronger. And, of course, this is what I was talking about Mike having to assess, right? You know, you think Mike wants to sit around and rest on his laurels? Mike wants to win and win and win. We all do. And the only way to do that is to bring a huge collection of talent in here. Now, this is a very good class. And we'll see how it fills out with the portal, by the way. It's also a unique set of circumstances that I don't know how to gauge and apply. Correct. The thing is, you always have to wait on signing day for the portal, but that's not an excuse. You're allowed to be pissed off that seemingly, you know, you can hold the reservation. The reservation. You just can't. But then you can't let the person sit at the table. Like, I, yeah. I think it's beyond take the reservation and hold the reservation. You're holding a commitment. Like, you're holding it for months yeah. and months. Yeah. This isn't like the Jeremiah Smith situation is disappointing, but he was an Ohio State commit. He throughout. was already an Ohio State right. commit. It's just so, disappointing because you thought you had a real chance at him. If KJ goes the other way, and we'll check on the, the latest developments, you know, these ceremonies can take forever. I know it's scheduled for the top of the hour. If it goes the other way, that's different. You know, that that's in that's I don't think it's quite the level of, of Travis Hunter, but it's the same category. You know, where you're saying, well, what's the point of, of holding somebody's commitment for months if on signing day it's going to flip at the 11th hour? Why? Why is that happening? Well, that's what you have to get to the bottom of. You have to figure out why. It's different every time, though. I will say that. It's not always the same. So, for example. Correct. Yes. So, for example, if a kid chooses to go to Georgia last second. So, I'm, I'm using KJ Bolden here. Please tell me when he announces, if you would. Keep me posted. We'll keep you posted. I don't want to be behind. But let's use KJ Bolden, for example. If K.J. Bolden chooses to go to Georgia, as opposed to Auburn, well, these are two very different reasons for having lost that recruit. If you lose him to Georgia, admittedly, it's frustrating as all hell, but you kind of get it. It's not like they haven't been churning out NFL defensive talent left and right for years. They have. And they win. And they are formidable 
in the world of recruiting, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Kirby's a defensive guy. He's a former defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got a lot of obstacles there because your program is not at that level just yet. It's just now entering the neighborhood. We're new here. Oh, we're old if you look at our history. But this version this of iteration. us, this iteration is new. We're new here. Okay, we just bought the nice house down at the end of the cul-de-sac. We're going to introduce ourselves. There's Georgia. There's Ohio State. There's Alabama. There's a few others. All right, gotcha. Good to be here. I like this neighborhood. I've always aspired to be in this neighborhood. Now, to stay in this neighborhood, you got a lot of things you got to do. You know, obviously, the uh, HOA is tough here. It's, it's, a, it's a tough. It's stingy. It's a pain in the ass. But that's what it is to be here. That's the new standard. This is what you got to deal with. So you get a moment in time where you can say, hey, good to be in the neighborhood. What are you doing to uplift it? What are you doing to stay here? What are you doing to ensure that we don't have to sell this house? And I, I think those are the questions Mike has to ask. Does he have the people in place that ensures we stay here? And that we do our due diligence and are able to, right up to the very end, close the deal with a couple of those five-star kids. This is where it's very much like the discussion we had about the quarterback room two, three weeks ago as it pertains to yeah. Tate Rodemaker and Brock Glenn and, and even in general with the transfer portal and, and the class. And you said the coaches are going to tell you how concerned they are with what they do and who they go after. Yeah. And while we debated that perhaps at the time, this is before Florida, I think, but, you know, if you want to let it play out with what you have. Let's see how he plays. See how Tate plays in the spring. Yeah. And you might you might think that Brock could give you a run at that point. And if there's an emergency, go get somebody in the spring as a grad And you knew transfer. you had Krumenhawk coming in, so right. yeah, yeah. Right, so you've got. And he did sign today. You got a succession, and yeah, he signed in the 11 a.m. That's hour. a really big signing. It is. It's that's, stable, I mean, that's it, a it really big signing. Yeah, that, like, that's a really big signing. I feel bad for Aslan on the broadcast this morning because he's been there for all the bullets. I kind of had the stable period. Mm. And when it, things were going according to plan. Yeah, I mean, like, where you the know, kids that you thought were supposed did to sign, sign did. Yeah. There was one kid that, you know, at 7 a.m. was supposed to be Jonathan Daniels out of Pensacola. He arrived during my window. Like, I had it kind of neat, nice and neat and tidy. It's starting to get a little messy again here. But the point is that Coach Norvell is going to tell you if he believes that the recruiting aptitude of his staff is a problem by what he does and what changes he makes or he does not make. And last year, we made a change at defensive back coach. And Patrick Sertan is here now. May have had a talk show host who mentioned that needed to be done for over a year. And the coach may have agreed with you. Mm -hmm. You know, The question is, will he agree with you in this particular circumstance? I don't know. I don't know. We might be in an argument. Uh, I, I, will, I will say this, Tom. I... I you know, there are no guarantees when you do this evaluation. There are no guarantees when you're self-scouting that the person sees what you think they need to see. I mean, they may not see it the same way, and maybe they're incapable. What happens over the course of time is you follow a program, talk about a program, analyze a program, is you begin to learn things about said program and about the individuals who run it. And that's true for the coaching staff, and that's true for the administration, that's true from the athletic director on down, and there are strengths and weaknesses to every organization. You're trying to minimize those weaknesses as best as possible, but we all know every organization, no matter how well run, has strengths and weaknesses, and your best CEOs are the ones that are constantly trying to improve, seeking ways to get better. 
And it's a hard thing to do because you have to make hard choices. And sometimes those choices involve something that is going to hurt. It's going to hurt to have to tell a guy, you're not good enough. I need more out of you. This isn't working. Especially if you love them. Especially if you like have a personal relationship with the person where you, where you say, you know, with the individual, where you say, I really love so-and-so, and I think his acumen for the game is where I need it to be, but damn it, he doesn't bring me players, and I got to have players, and I can't do all of this myself, and maybe maybe he needs to go somewhere else. Maybe we need a fresh set of eyes. Maybe we need new blood. But, but you don't always get that. You don't always get the guy who assesses it the way that you'd like him to or sees it, and then that would be counted as a blind spot for him. So what you then do, because we're constantly changing the discussion and having a different one with every season and every game and every recruiting class – and the results dictate a different conversation. Some of those conversations are delightful. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, the last few years, the last two years, the conversations around Florida State and Mike Norvell specifically have been really delightful conversations to have. You know, when you, when you find out you got the right guy, that's a damn good feeling. Florida State has the right guy. We're not debating that anymore. That was the debate two years ago. We were going into that season two years ago, and I'm like, Mike, right. this yeah. has to be the one. Well, and, you know, you could look to one of his assistants and Ron Dugans. The we narrative were, right. has completely shifted. And it's years. awesome that it has. It's awesome that it has. And we root for that. And you want you want to have to keep starting over. It sucks to have to keep starting over. And it sets you back. So you you know that, by and large, this has been a, oh, man, I really enjoyed our cup of coffee today. This was good. This was nice. We talked about the company in a very positive light. The growth seems to be in place the way we want it. But as each step takes place and improvements happen, you're still looking for other ways to get better. And right now, you know, I think there's probably a a larger discussion to be had about are you as good as you should be in recruiting, given what Florida State is, the cachet, the history, the location, and then, of course, the success on the field, Tom. The success on the field. So the question is, in terms of cups of coffee, you want to deviate here because on the YouTube channel we can provide the live stream of KJ's signing ceremony, and then we can continue to talk on the radio and rejoin them. Would you prefer that, or do you want to do you want to patch in? I mean, I I, I don't. We can to... continue to talk and rejoin after the people on Warchant TV see. Yeah, well, we're due to take a break anyhow, so yeah. on the radio side of things, let's take that break and go ahead and patch in if you'd like. I'm sure a lot of the viewers would like to see that. I, for one, don't care. I hate watching That's why I asked you, you know, you cups yeah. of coffee, cups yeah, of yeah, tea, yeah. which yeah. is your prefer- yeah. preference. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really care. Yeah, so he flipped. He went to Georgia, is that right? It is. Yeah, we don't need to see it now. So no, that's the go. end of that. All right. He just popped up on my screen. It's banner day. Yeah, well, Okay. But again, losing him to Georgia is very different than losing him to Auburn. Those are two different things. You lost him to – you still don't have him. I get it. Yeah. But the loss to Auburn would have been an awful lot about an overpayment. The loss to Georgia is that right now their credibility is greater than ours. Their program is better than ours, period. It's inarguable. I'd be interested, though, as it pertains to – and we'll, we'll figure things out as the dust settles in terms of an overpay, quote-unquote. Well, actually, you don't have to quote that anymore an overpay because they lost their quarterback. So do they have some extra scratch around and and they're willing to Georgia, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a history of overpaying for recruits though. They don't. Not in that space. They don't. Yeah. They don't have to. You know, it's like for years we would talk about how Coach K didn't have to be a good recruiter. Duke recruited itself. You build right. it to a place where the kids just want to be there. Yeah. 
And, you know, I used to sit around. People would be like, well, you know, Duke's – I'm like, Duke doesn't have to pay anybody anything. They want, The kids want to go there. They still do, but, yes, they don't have to go above market. They could go at sticker. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. go to sticker price. But I'm saying Georgia is in that place right now. We're yeah. trying to get to that place, and we're not We're not there yet. It's evident today we're not there yet. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. We want to thank our friends over there at Walk-Ons. I know that. I didn't do that in the first segment. I was irresponsible, Tom. That's a terrible thing. Thank you, Walk-Ons. We appreciate you sponsoring the day. And by the way, just so you know, I was at Walk-Ons yesterday. Were you really? How's that for an endorsement, by the way? I I could read this thing they want me to read and tell you all about their great food and salads and all that and the shrimp. But I was just there. Like, I visited there. I was visiting our great friend Andy Mahoney from Orange Theory Fitness, and we sat down and have a lovely early evening dinner. Well, and the food was fantastic. I think that they would accept that endorsement as long as you say walk-ons for the win. Walk-ons for the win. All right. And by the way, they got a new dry rub flavor, Louisiana Kick. Uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm going from the sauces to the dry rub. I like the dry rub. Yeah. Hey now. I think that's wisdom. Yeah, it's uh it is. It's good hey stuff. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> as you get older, you normally wouldn't say that, but you, it's funny that you do. You you like the dry rub now. Indeed. Are you you seem depressed. I, I wanna Me? put no, I, I think no, I I'm, think you're a little down about this class. And I, I you know, this is a conversation we have here, you and I, and I 
I'm not depressed. K.J. Bolden going to Georgia stinks. I wish it hadn't happened, but I kind of get it. Georgia's program's at a different place than we are right now, and you're going to lose a kid or two to a program that's slightly ahead of you. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to accept that lying down. It doesn't have to constantly be something that you just kind of every year we're going, well, but you're not always going to be able to stave off a program of that magnitude. And so I kind of get that that happens. Now, you said it right last time. Last segment. I always say it right, but yeah. In this case, I'm going to agree with you more this time than I sometimes do. Fair. Okay. And what I would tell you is that you got to analyze why. This is big picture stuff. Mike, why'd that happen? Is that on you? Is that on your new secondary coach, Coach Rattan? He had a pretty good haul this year. Uh, well, that's know. what I'm saying. You're just asking the questions aloud. Is that on yeah. your defensive coordinator? Right. Is that Who is that on? Are we poor? No, you know, we're not poor. So who is that on? Did you lose them the money? Did you lose them to prestige? Did you lose them because your coach wasn't good enough to get him? These are the questions you ask. Yeah, well, the problem that I have is this specific player and the optics of the player, he doesn't go anywhere else. He comes here for the final official visit weekend. And, you know, I got to give Michael credit. Michael asked him the question. He said, so you signing with Florida State on Wednesday? He's like, come on, man, you already know. And... Then the way that he followed up that answer, Michael went on uh, the airwaves on War Chant TV on Sunday and said, ah, I don't buy it. I, I, it's not good enough. That's not a good enough answer. Even yeah, though he gave buy, it definitive, yeah. he's like, ah. you could be like Cam Davis, and you could just say, no way, no how. You could be like Luke Cromenhawk and, and clown Georgia on social media and say, no, man, I'm not going there. You could. So th- the problem I have is I don't know why just yet. Now, Mike Norvell can give us some clues as to why based upon his his next actions that he takes. If any, if any, it could be, you're right, that it's as simple as you have a higher profile program, maybe the prestige of not making the invitational and being a peg down had something to do with well, at a 50-50 moment. If you couldn't overcome that talking point, that's stupid. Either the, no, either agree, the kid's but- dumb or you didn't present it properly because there's no way that that can be used against you at this point. I mean, I- for starters, it's a 12-team playoff next year. That kid will never have to deal with anything like that. Yeah, but it used to be about how many funhouse slides you have in a football building that you're hardly going to be in for fun anyway. So right. this has never been a realm of the logical, you know, for, for what kids perceive to be a difference maker. I'm just what I'm- I'm trying to find why at the, at the margin because clearly this was at the margin because if you listen to all the experts this morning, they're telling you it's Auburn. If it's not Florida State, it's Auburn. It's Auburn this, Auburn yeah, that. Yeah, they thought Auburn they were going to throw that. a huge number right. at him. And then somewhere, mid-morning, late morning, it turns into Georgia. So, clearly, this is a decision at the margin. And I just, well, it'll, it's going to take a day or two for people's emotions to settle down and to get a clearer picture as to why. Yeah, and by the way, again, I want to reiterate something. You can acknowledge that a program is having, uh, you know, let's say we're, we're talking about Georgia right now. Because, you know, they didn't lose a game for two and a half years. <laughs> like, like, it's ridiculous. They went back-to-back national championships. And they're not one of the best four teams in the country. They're not one of the best five. No, the committee has it. spoken. Now, what I, what again, what I would say to that is there's a difference between me acknowledging what they are and accepting that as a good reason to lose a kid. No, no, I'm accepting that Georgia is right now the preeminent football program in the country, right? They they passed Alabama. That happens when you win back-to-back national titles. That, that's what happens. Yeah, we all laughed when Nick Saban had to hear that from, was it Pollock? I forget. Yeah. But on the desk. On the desk, yeah. And you saw the look in his eye. Well, he's furious, right? 
well, that's where we're trying to get to. And you can't keep losing to them in these recruiting battles. And it won't won't happen that you surpass them if this keeps happening. But you can acknowledge a reason without being, you know, this isn't like, oh, I love Georgia more than FSU. Or, hey, you know, so-and-so is just so much better than we are uh, in recruiting. No, that's not not what I'm saying. I'm acknowledging that when you're going up against a a team that's won back-to-back national titles and has lost one game in three effing years – They've got some cachet. It's going to be tough, but you got to find a way. Now, that's the other part of it. The other side of the conversation is, I know it's tough. That's a real reason. That's not ass-kissing. That's a real reason, but it's not acceptable to keep having it happen. Got to find out why it's happening beyond their good. If there is something specific, you can do that. You can do something about it. I mean, you can really address it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you could look at it the other way and say, okay, we're not good enough. Why? You know, it just very simply. It, again, it probably will take a couple of days to let emotions subside and look at this clinically if you're a decision maker. Like, we're not decision makers. We're just pointing at it and telling you what's happening. But when Mike Norvell needs to decide why it happened, it mm-hmm. could be as simple as they're more prestigious as a program in this moment than we are. And so the kid was in doubt. And when in doubt, you go with a place that thinks that you think is going to get you paid at the NFL level and sooner. It's what happened with Smith. Right. Well, maybe. I think that I think they might have gone full Auburn plus. Maybe, in terms of- maybe, but in fairness, he was already an Ohio State commit. Yeah. And all they do is churn out first round wide receivers. Uh, That's all they do. That is logical. every year yes. we sit around and we like, there's another one, there's another one, and they're about to do it again with Marvin uh no, Marvin. Uh yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, so that, that, yeah. that's exactly what they're going to do. There'll be another all-world player that gets drafted in the top five, and that is tough to overcome. You have to find a way. Correct. The other part is this is where it gets tough because this is not as simple as even like MLB hot stove. There's no limit to what the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Mets can spend. There's no limit. And so you're going to see $700 million for Shohei Otani. It's not salary capped, but at least you know what the numbers are. Right. And when Shohei Otani's contract comes out and it says $700 million, you're if like, you're a well, fan man. of like the Rangers. How or, about the Pirates? Or, well, you got no shot at Shohei Otani. But a team that thought they might have, or maybe Boston, you know, like a yeah. random team that Teams thinks they've got money. a shot. Yeah. Or the the Braves were tied to him for a long time. Right. If you're a Braves fan and you see $700 million, I don't care how much is deferred. I'm like, no, that's crazy. That's not how we do things here in Atlanta. We've got a pretty good system here. I'm not paying $70 million a year for a guy who's going to hit for one season, maybe maybe two or three, because who knows about how his arm goes. Your owner would, because he's got more money than he knows what to do with. Different philosophies. That's right. You should pay. (laughs) We've got to overpay because we're the Mets, too. That's the other thing we've got to overpay because we're the Mets. But it's easier when the numbers are out in the open. Now, the math, you got to do two kinds of math. How much does it cost now? And how much does it cost me in my locker room in the future? Yes, there's a lot there. Because if Jeremiah commands the figure that maybe some are speculating that he that he might have, could he be the most well-paid man in your locker room and not having played it down in college football? How's your locker room going to handle that? Yeah, it's not going to be a good thing. So is, is the juice worth the squeeze even though he would be a game changer immediately for you? It's not to say that you're poor in terms of collective and resources, but... That's a tough decision to make. But also... And that's I, done in the shadows. You just can't know. The other part of this is that fans never remember. They don't go back far enough because on this day, this is the emotional day. But if you go back with a lot of these kids' recruitments, so you'll hear somebody say, well, you know what? Kids flip on us. Do we ever get anybody to flip for us? Yes, we have in this class. There are kids who were committed elsewhere. Yeah. Kai Bates is a... yeah. Kromenhawk was going to Ohio State. 
Well, that was Glenn last year, but yeah. But I'm saying, like, he yeah. th- there was another kid that was – those teams were interested, and you've Correct. staved them off. Yeah, you staved yeah, off Georgia Glenn, for Glenn Hawk. is you're right, you're the other kid. But, but yeah. Georgia called on Croman Hawk this weekend. Yes, they did. When they knew that uh, they were about to lose to Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost to Nebraska, by the way. Georgia lost to well, Nebraska. In fairness, and now they'll analyze that and say, "What were you going to do? The dad was an All-American at Nebraska. I mean, that that, that killed still, us. It was like they're Nebraska. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. But you know, there you go. Now, again, assess that reason and attack it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the next thing. You know, assess that reason and attack it. You've got a class that you're going to be happy with. It's not perhaps the class that you wanted with every bell and whistle. It is reason to be frustrated. You are going to continue to look at that staff and say, are they good enough? You're going to continue to look at who recruited which player, right? And then if you see a theme, we got to talk about it. When you, you know, that that's the whole thing. Like when you're assessing your coaching staff, there are a lot of factors. Here's the good side of it. You know, we've done some features that are going to roll out over the next couple of days with Dominic Robinson, who is breaking down the the caliber of player at the top of the board here. So he's looking at Cam Davis and Croman Hawk, Elijah Moore, Charles Lester, Kai Bates. You know, it's seven or eight kids. And in between recordings, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He goes, I got to tell you, this is a lot easier than two years ago because even the best players that we brought in two years ago, I felt were two or three year projects. They're bringing in athletes and dudes that can play this, this time around. It, it could be Landon Thomas at tight end. It could be Kai Bates. It could be whoever. And and he's saying, man, I got to tell you, these kids are the best athletes on their team, just like it used to be when I was coming to Florida State. Everybody that showed up in Tallahassee was the best athlete on their high school team, yeah. unless two of them played together. Otherwise, they were the best. And he, And so at this point, what you are seeing is in certain position groups, absolute upgrades. You know, there are different types of four stars. There are four stars who could be – First year, red shirt year impacts, yeah, yeah. and then others who, yeah, man, they got the tools, well, but we're not going to see them until they're 21 years old. We're bringing a lot more of those early impact guys. It's just we're missing some very important positions in that process. Well, let's just say it, for example, so that people have proper perspective on this. You, you mentioned Kai Bates. So I love Kai Bates. I don't dive into these recruits' tapes the way that recruit Knicks do, right. and the way that Langston and all them do. But when I was told about Kai Bates, I'm like, okay, let's take a look at it. So what was the first thing that I did? Well, I always look at measurables. I want to see what are you. Even if you're an elite corner prospect, if you're 5'9", you're 5'9". I said this about Hunter. I said this about other guys where you're like, you know, you can't overcome 5'9". 5'9 is going to be a problem for you. You can still make the league. You can still be good. You can still be all these things. But 5'9 is going to be a problem for you when you face a 6'4 receiver. Unless you got arms down to your shins. Or you have a 60-inch vertical. We got problems. All right, so the first thing I did was look at Kai Bates' measurables. Well, nice, golly, six one and a half, almost six two. That's a tall corner. All right, what kind of athlete are you? Gotcha, you're up to almost 185 pounds already as a freshman coming in. We got a little something here. All right, who's recruiting you? This, this is what I'm doing. All right, what do we got? Well, I saw somebody right off the bat that I thought, oh, wow, look at that. Alabama is recruiting him. LSU is recruiting him. The SEC was recruiting him across the board. Tennessee was actively recruiting them as well. We won. Florida State won that, not Alabama, not Tennessee, not LSU. Florida State won that battle. These are the things that when you're frustrated about a kid or even two, you got to go back and go, all right, where's the progress? Well, in these kinds of recruitments, you see the progress, but this isn't the same across the board in every segment group. You see a lot of this right now in the secondary. We're winning big in the secondary for players. We're not winning big at linebacker for players. We're not winning big right now on the defensive line for players. 
And we're certainly not for offensive line. We're kind of middling. Yeah, correct. Yeah, middling, and you could argue it either way, and it'd be a, a compelling segment to do about where are we on offensive line recruiting. But skill positions, generally speaking, unless you want to call linebacker skill position, but skill positions otherwise, yeah, man, we're, we're where we need to be. Quarterback, running back, tight end, receiver, corner, safety. Good things. Lines of scrimmage and linebackers. And you're doing better in lines of scrimmage in the portal to cover up the deficiencies yeah. of high school. Obviously, that linebackers helped reverse, a problem that helped everywhere. With, yeah. Oh, buddy. You got Blake, but linebackers yeah. are a problem pretty much everywhere. And you're doing a pretty good job in the portal across the board otherwise. So the lines of scrimmage are concerning in high school, defensive more than offensive. You're doing great in the portal in those two places. Yeah, but again, there's limitations of what that is, what that means. Yeah, yeah. you can't count on it every year to like, be there Like Byers came in from UTEP. Yeah. Oh, well, so you got a kid from UTEP. Well, he played like a kid from UTEP. <laughs> right? He yeah. doesn't look like he doesn't look like Georgia's offensive line. Uh, doesn't look wish, like Alabama's offensive line. Uh, correct. Now, if Bless ever stayed freaking healthy, he would have been far above I, Lamar. You know where you got him from. <laughs> yeah, he would have been. We've hit on a couple guys now. Don't get me wrong, but old Frisky Fisky from Western Michigan was that was a that huge was a hit. get, huge get. I feel like the offensive linemen, in terms of the hit rate. You're having much more success if you build that up through the high school ranks and grab five stars and get them to, you yeah. know, that that's where I'm a little frustrated. There are, you know, there's a couple kids. You mentioned Simmons. He may turn out to be that right. kid. They like early a lot. They like early a lot, and Otto's a good player. Yep. So you know, you, you've got – Armella at some point. Well, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We've been waiting. I know this. You have to have waves of those bad boys. You got to have some big sons of bitches waiting in the wings, ready to roll, because kids get hurt at that position every year, and you better have an elite player behind them. The other thing that's going to tell you a little bit—it doesn't even have to be about the actions that come in the next couple of days. Um, you know, Mike Norvell's had a couple of these press conferences, and you could sense in the room how oh, he felt about the day. He's frustrated, and he speaks today at four o'clock. And we'll see exactly how he feels about the day. That will be available on Warchant TV after it's over. We get to talk to all the assistant coaches afterwards as well. Here's what I think is going to happen, Tom. I, I, I think that Mike Norvell is going to be a pro's pro, and he's going to thank his coaches for hard work, and he's going to point out the highlights of this class. He's going to look at a player like Croman Hawk or Charles Lester, and he's going to say um, you know, great things about what they're going to bring to the table for Florida State and that it's a top-10 class, and they feel good about the work they've put in and where the program's going. He's not going to say – you know, my linebacker coach is useless. I mean, guys, God, dog, I apologize. He's not going to do that. He should, but he's not going to do that. You can see in his eyes, though, what how he feels about the moment. And right now, December's not been a good month to Mike Norvell, generally speaking. He's frustrated, man. And I I saw it yesterday, and you know that, that made the national rounds his comments for the first time since all this went down. How could he not be? And that is another factor that it, it is interesting to watch him have to go through this, you didn't expect this. You didn't expect to not be rewarded for 13-0 and 0 after asking them to give everything they had. You didn't expect to have to try to spin this into, hey, this is another one of life's lessons. And here's, here's something that's more material than reputation points for not making the invitational. He said it yesterday after practice that one of the hardest parts of this past two weeks, three week period of time is that the players needed the coaches and they were on the road. It makes it made it very difficult to be there for the players in this time of unforeseen crisis because you just went 13-0. and 0 Well, and think about this. 
but those are the players that are hosting recruits on OVs the last couple of weeks. And you're trying to settle these players down. They're entering, many are entering the portal or, you know, tweeting that they're going to enter the portal and then they never do. All these stupid things that yeah. could have and should have happened in January have to happen while we're all on the road trying to close the final, you know, two weekends of this class. And in the wake of real devastation. And I think the hard part is that you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids, 18 year old kids primarily. And, and it, well, obviously, if you're talking about within that locker room, it's 18 to 22 year old kids. And, you're you're trying to explain this to them. You're trying to deal with their emotions, but what do young men not do very well? Channel their frustrations and emotions in a positive way. We're all dumbasses. Men mature later than women. There have been studies that show that our brains are still developing at 25. We're a mess. It helps explain why we all did really dumb things in college oh, and man. continue. It also explains all kinds of things like death rate in young males and, and all this the other 20s. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bet you. But my overriding point with that is you get dealt this major blow after being told all you got to do is this, 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 and this, and we'll get there. And if you do it and we win and we find a way to persevere, you're going to be rewarded, and then you're not. And those kids are not handling that well, and that affects the locker room, and now coaches are on the road, and the head coach has got to figure it all out. That's a brutal two weeks. It's a brutal two weeks because there's not a good answer for getting bent over by the committee. There's just not a good answer. You got screwed. Politics effed you. There's a lesson. Talk hey, have a good it. day. Have a good day. Yeah, talk about a dry rub. <laughs> you want me to segue that way and segue that into? Oh no 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 no, <laughs> no 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 no! It's the Jeff Cameron Show, ninety-three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome a new advertiser to the program. This one I like. Why do I like them? I used them. I already used them. Then they said, we want to be on with you, Cameron. Good, because I'm already using you. I'd like to save some money. I'm talking about Factor. Now, I could read a script. I have one here. The bustling holiday season. You're looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days. Factor's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I'm not going to do that, though. I don't need to do that. I like not meal prepping. I like having a delicious meal before me and two and a half minutes out of a microwave prepped by a professional chef. It is delicious. Protein meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving in some cases. I could get the uh, low-calorie conscious meal if I want one, if I've overdone it for the week or something along those lines. I pick a different set of food items out of 35 prepared meals at the start of every week, and voila, it's at my front door. It's awesome. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50 and use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. Doing you right, people. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Christmas is a time to say I love you. Share the joys and laughter and the cheer. Christmas is a time to say I love you. 
driving about town, perhaps finishing up some Christmas shopping. Uh, take it on over to our friends at Walk-Ons and be like our own five-star Irish Chaffel and get the blackjack chicken sandwich, kids. I've had that. It's good. I like all their food. That's the thing. Walk-Ons got delicious food. They've got a, and it's a huge menu. It is. They covered a gap in town because for years there was an establishment that had a blackened chicken sandwich that I adored, and um, they decided to discontinue it, and nobody really had a good one since then. But here you go. Walk-Ons has been around now. They're all over the southeast. The sponsorship is for everybody out there, but uh, when you're in town, it's very easy. It's near I-10 on Capitol Circle. Just there yesterday. And you and I went to the original one in Baton Rouge. We did. I forgot about that, which mm-hmm. looks more like, how would you describe it? Like a... Uh, what, you mean sports bar? I mean, it looks like a sports bar. Like it looks... But more, it's right down... It's, it's in a nice locale. Like the walk-ons concept now is is like upper end. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You can tell that's the original. You can tell yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. old yeah. school. Yeah, that's an yeah. old school. Yeah, that's a little bit uh, more AJ's-esque from back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good, good, good stuff. Um, you know, it, it, I think every year... What I what I crack up about on this particular day is you just have extremes everywhere. It's as if people cannot deal with the gray area. They can't. It, it has to be all of this or all of that. You can 100% be frustrated with not bringing in K.J. Bolden. Express that frustration and say, Damn it, we're still just a little off from where we need to be. For whatever that reason is, Mike better figure it out because this has to get better as we move forward if we're going to be an elite program annually. You could also say, holy moly, based on what our recruiting class was a year ago, two years ago, we are making massive strides, even with the loss of a K.J. Bolden in this class. What you now have is a very good signing class, not an elite signing class. What you now have is it pertains to the secondary. A lot of really good players. He would have been the cherry on top. It's no longer an elite class in the secondary. It's just a very good class. Both things can be true. It's it's okay to be able to say that, hey, we're a lot better than we were, but we got to get better, and we keep losing on a couple of guys, and that's got to change, and why is that, and I'm mad about it. Okay, got it. But you don't you don't say that and then say, well, this class sucks, because that's stupid right? and not true. Yeah, it's fair to say that this is an elite group in terms of portal recruiting. Like, their method to get kids in the portal that are fits and their eye for talent, development, um, scouting eye, it's really good. They bring in kids that might be power five, might not, and they hit at a really high rate, the staff does. So mm-hmm. in the portal, I think they're elite. It is You can't call them elite in high school recruiting. You no, they're not. They're not. They're They've not. yet to sign a top five no. class. They're good to very good. They're very good, actually. Yeah, if you, if you sign the number 10, seven class yeah. in the country, you, right. you're doing, you're doing you're, well. You're, you're doing very good. well. You're not elite. You're, you're not, not a top elite. five. You're not top five. Not we want to be top five. Yeah. I get it. I get it, everybody. I want to be too. Sucks. It just does. It it just means that look, they got work to do. It's self evident. I get it, but it's not. Oh, we're not. Therefore, we're terrible. It's not that either. It is not that clearly. Agreed. And it sounds like, you know, again, given the influx of support for the collective, I know that people don't want to hear about the collective per se today, but the hard part is whether you're a coach 
making decisions, and you're not allowed to make a decision with the collective, right? Nobody, oh, never, never. The coach never <laughs> talks to the collective. Whether you're coach or your collective, the question is, use it in last year's terms. Let's say that K.J. Bolden or Jeremiah Smith was a part of last year's recruiting class. Could you, with a straight face, make that player earn more money than Jared Verse for retention? Could you say to your locker room, yeah, Jeremiah Smith is worth more than Jared Verse and bringing him back? Because I think that's the kind of conversation that a collective has to have these days. Every single year, we've got to retain. But those 21-year-olds who have been here, it might be all conference or projected second round, third round draft pick. From the day that we learned Correct. this was going to be a thing. And you've got now a 17, 18-year-old who hasn't played it down in college football is worth more than that dude? Those those are uncomfortable conversations. It's a it's an impossible juggling act, but if you stay by your standards, you are less likely to lose the locker room to a culture issue. That's another thing you're guarding against. It's impossible math to do, but that's what they're all trying to do. I, generally speaking, do not want to overspend for a high school kid that's never played it down in college football. I don't think that's a good way moving forward to run your operation. I don't think it's sustainable. You might get one good year out of it, but then you got real problems. You got real problems on your hands. So, generally speaking, if you lose a kid and it's and you can prove it's because of money, for example, and I don't think that was the case this time, I get it. I mean, it, it can happen. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with me.